You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW, and welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with your host, Denise Eaton May. Denise is a former Human Resources Director and Assistant County Counsel who now practices employment law. She spent more than 10 years as a Deputy Attorney General handling public employee personnel matters. Now she shares her unique perspective with you, providing advice and dialogue for employers and employees as she tackles some of the common issues in the 21st century workplace. Now, here's your host, Attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May, and you're listening to KDOW 1220 AM. I'm talking today about hiring caregivers, and we've had some previous shows regarding Issues that confront the home health care providers industry and the difficulty in trying to ensure that these businesses who provide a very valuable service uh, to us, um, constituents who are looking for a home for a loved one, and the labor laws of California that require um, you retain and hire uh, employees and caregivers um, under certain requirements. And the difficulty becomes uh, comes in because the industry is set up in a manner that um, most residential care facilities and home health care providers um, hire caregivers on a 24-hour or 48-hour, 72-hour basis. And the issue becomes, how do I pay that? How do I get what I can provide as a good quality, affordable service to my constituents, yet still be able to um, comply with all the laws and and pay um, the caregiver. And as I talked about before, the the labor commissioner was really, really looking at these issues um, back in 2014 and certainly in 2015 in terms of looking at whether these particular caregivers are being paid properly and if, in fact, there are um, misclassifications. And that's usually where some of this comes in because um, some caregivers prefer to be paid as an independent contractor. But as we've talked about before, they may not meet the standard. It may not come up to the required um, control uh, that is uh, exercised uh, in order for the um, caregiver to be independent. So I want to look at some of these things. I, I did um, a little bit of, of research and found that there's some new licensing requirements that have gone into effect or will go into effect um, July 1. But it also talks about that independent contractor issue. And I think from an employment perspective for the health care providers industry, that's really important in looking at how you come around and work through um, these definitions in wage order 15, um, are you hiring a personal attendant or are they giving medication? All those issues are very important in determining how you pay them, what you need to pay, whether they're entitled to overtime, and all of those issues. Um, just initially in terms of some of the licensing issues that have come up in the home health care provider industry, um, there are some new laws that were effective January 1, 2016, which requires the registration and licensing of home health care providers through a newly created agency. I think it's called the Home Care Services Bureau. And the qualification and registration of um, all the caregivers is required as well. 
So not only do you have to register as an agency, you need to also register uh, the in-home caregivers. Um, This is being monitored by the state uh, Department of uh, Social Services, and it's the state is also directing providers that their caregivers, home care aides, must all be employees and not independent contractors. So this is a you know financial impact on the ability to do business because now you're looking at making sure you have um, home care aides that are employees. And then once they become employees and they work the requisite hours, you got all the other requirements, the three days of paid sick leave <laughs> that you have to give them. Um, there's other requirements that kick in. So it's very important, I think, that um, this industry is sort of going through a little bit of, of, of flux. But as I've indicated before in my previous shows, it is important that we have this service in our society because many People are not able to put their loved ones in an institutionalized facility, may not be covered by Medicare, and these small residential, usually six-person facilities will enable um, folks to be able to provide the kind of care for their loved ones. Um, And the issue becomes, can they afford to do it? Can they afford to give the service that that? is going to allow them to comply with the law. Just like with anything else, when things go up, that cost is passed to the consumer. And so if you're the consumer, you're going to end up uh, feeling that cost. So these new rules, I think, um, sort of clarify for the home health care providers some registration issues, but it also is going to, um, I think, make the industry confronts some employment issues that has been plaguing them for several years. Um, As I indicated before, in the cases that I've taken, two of the uh, residential care facilities just went out of business. They just couldn't afford it. It was not something that, um, once I did the calculations on how they were supposed to pay uh, the particular caregivers, um, how much credit they got for for lodging, how much credit they got for uh, sleep time, um, but the overtime provisions are what kicked in um, that made it a little bit more difficult and a lot more costly to be able to operate. Now, um, with respect to the new registration laws, the required initiation of the uh, licensing process is supposed to occur, I think, uh, around December. Well, by December 31st, 2015, you were supposed to register but the actual licensing is not mandatory until July of 2016. And um, the applicable operating standards will require many home care providers to change the way they do business. And I think this is something that's happening in the industry that is um, going to have an extreme impact on the employment process. Um, There are times when... um, uh, individuals who've come here from other countries seeking uh, a better opportunity and better life for their families may just have um, the authority to work, um, but they may not understand all of the labor laws and the rules uh, uh, required to to be able to, to work in uh, California. And I think these particular new rules and the way that the state is looking at it is it's going to be able to force the home care, home health care providers to really look at how these people are hired. 
So um, the legislation that kind of requires this new licensing procedure is the Home Care Services Consumer Protection Act, entitled AB 1217. And Essentially, the Home Care Services Consumer Protection Act created Section 1796.10 through 1796.63 of the Health and Safety Code, and it requires all California home care organizations to be licensed and also to have all of their caregivers, referred to as home care aides, undergo successful background checks and register with the state. So... That kind of presents um, a challenge for employers as well, because um, if you are required now to do the background check, um, you know, re- in reality, for the level that you're going to pay, you may be screening out some people uh, that uh, may have some uh, criminal backgrounds that may not be acceptable to the state. Now, it may have been acceptable to you as an employer, but now you get a higher standard. <laughs> So uh, that's going to create some challenges, too, and whether you want to make a business decision to to work around that. And then they must be registered with the state. So there's going to be a record. There's some people who do not want government in their business, in their lives, so they may not want to to register. So I think that's going to create some challenges as well in terms of uh, retaining and recruiting the quality employees. The goal is to get the quality employees, and I think that's going to be uh, one of the uh, impacts of these requirements. And certainly you're going to get the quality caregivers because there are situations where, um, you know, sometimes caregivers uh, have a history of, um, you know, maybe engaging in in misconduct and, and they move around and nobody knows about it because they just want to let that person go. Uh, in this situation, I think it's going to be clear. You'll be able to see where that employee has worked before, if they're registered, and have the background check that clearly um, protects the um, home care provider uh, with respect to hiring individuals. Um, that's That seems to be one of the um, biggest areas that imposes liability on um, private um, services or private companies that provide services. And I'm thinking in particular, say, like massage therapy. Um, there are lots of issues with respect to um, therapists that may have um, crossed the line and sort of a, a massage or something, and then that creates challenges because um, the issue becomes did that particular entity, you know, do a thorough background check of that employee because that's where liability stems from. And it's not just, it could be photographers, it could be um, any kind of service that you provide. That background check is a protection uh, that you have as an employer uh, to ensure that you've done due diligence to ensure that that individual employee is competent and capable and has no red flags that would let you know that that somehow or another um, they should not be working in the industry uh, for which you are choosing to hire them as. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. We're talking today about hiring caregivers and the new registration laws that have come down uh, from the state um, that I think impacts the industry and the manner and method in which they employ um, caregivers. If you ever have any questions concerning the show, please feel free to visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com or you can send me an email at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. 
You're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. Now, back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton May. Welcome back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton May, and we're talking today about hiring caregivers and the impact uh, on the home health care providers industry on some of the new legislation that um, has made uh, registration and licensing uh, required uh, to promote and operate as a home care business. And we just kind of went over a little bit about the Home Care Services Consumer Protection Act. And I just want to talk a little bit more because I think, you know, our focus is on how this impacts hiring uh, employees because this has been a challenge. And as I've indicated before, I've seen a couple businesses that were residential care facilities who were providing an excellent service for many of the um, uh, individuals who were in the home um, just throwing the towel because it was just not worth it in terms of the amount of uh, time it takes to make sure you have the quality service as well as the cost associated with complying with the California labor codes. So the requirements under the Act are governed by the California Department of Social Services, and um, as I indicated, they've created a new bureau, uh, which is the Home Care Services Bureau, Uh, which will work with the uh, Caregiver Background Check Bureau to implement and enforce these particular rules. It's important to note that the Act defines home care services to include the typical services provided by caregivers, referred to as personal attendance under California's Wage Order 15, in assisting persons who require companionship and help with functions of everyday life because of advanced age or physical or mental disability. Now, this is a big deal because uh, in the situation I uh, had for a client, if I was able to characterize um, many of the caregivers as personal attendants as defined under Wage Order 15, there would have been a different pay structure than those particular individuals who provide services and give medication. And you know, administer uh, certain types of uh, medication that takes them out of the uh, definition of personal attendant, which is just purely companionship, and um, increases the cost that you have to pay. And so I think um, looking at this, there's going to be some impact as now are we basically saying, you know, these personal attendants are covered, you know, as, you know, home care services providers, and that's the case, are they subject to the same rules? Um, Maybe that analysis of what type of duties do they perform um, may not be necessary because you just now have to put everybody into the same um, category and um, pay them the overtime after eight hours, um, double time after, you know, 12, um, and of course, you know, more than 40 in a week, you have the overtime. And then if you have the uh, additional days, uh, you have the, the double time. So that begins to add up when you're looking at pay. But it is important that you follow 
these rules because when the labor commissioner comes and what we've talked about is sweep <laughs> and uh, that's when, you know, the labor commissioner can come into your business and just see if you're complying with the law. They're going to want to look at your books. They're going to want to look at how you've characterized your employees. And when that audit uh, and review comes in, you need to be able to be prepared. And it's so much better to be proactive and to ensure that you have these things in place rather than having to wait till the labor commissioner comes and assess um, be assessed unnecessary penalties. The other thing that this act uh, requires that I think is important to mention is that um, this registry, it requires a registry of qualified caregivers or home care aides. So it's my understanding that the Bureau, this new Bureau, will establish a registry that lists all applicants who have met the requirements to be registered. Registration requires, of course, the background examination, um, submission of fingerprints, a declaration regarding prior criminal convictions, evidence that the home care aide can comply with the requirements of the law and is of, quote, reputable and responsible character, whatever that means. I'm sure we'll be litigating that. (laughs) The legislature is good for putting stuff in there that's not real clear so that, you know, lawyers can make a little money trying to understand and get the courts to interpret the statute. But this is interesting because you're going to have applicants who must be registered. They're going to have a background examination, including submission of fingerprints. They've got to have a declaration regarding prior criminal convictions. They have to have evidence that they can comply with the requirements of the law and is of reputable and responsible character. Um, There's going to be disclosure of any prior revocation or disciplinary action against the home care aid applicant and a signed statement that the applicant has read and understood the law, the rules and regulations enacted under the statute. So I think that creates um, a lot more of a um, thorough check that certainly um, gives the public, I think, a lot more um, comfort that when they're going through uh, to find a home health care provider, that there's been a process established by the state that enables them to um, feel comfortable that this is someone who's offering services and there's some regulation there, which is really the goal. I mean, we want to make sure that we're going to a reputable place that is going to take care of our loved ones and provide us you know, sufficient notice as well as be um, affordable. So my understanding is that the California Department of Justice will use fingerprints uh, supplied by the applicant to conduct a background check, and a person is ineligible to be listed on the registry if the person has been convicted of a crime other than a minor traffic uh, infraction without an exemption issued by the Director of State Department of Social Services. And um, from my experience, those exemptions are, are kind of tough. There are some specific regulations that the Department of Social Services use to determine whether um, there should be an exemption. I've just had a case uh, about some similar to that, and um, it was very difficult to try and get um, the individual who had been um, convicted of a crime an exemption to be able to work in facilities that were governed by the Department of Social Services. I think the specific registration and license requirements for Um, the home care organizations um, is going to certainly um, increase the costs 
my understanding is that the act will also um, require proof of a general and professional liability insurance at a minimum of $1 million and $3 million aggregate. Um, of course, you have to have a valid workers' comp policy. Um, in some of the smaller residential care facilities that are run very, very lean, um, there are situations where um, they may not have um, a, a workers' comp policy. And, of course, in a situation I had where the uh, labor commissioner came in to do an evaluation, it revealed that there was a period of time in which the operator had uh, operated without workers' comp and there were penalties associated with that. So that's something that I think employers really, really need to just take care of. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just get the workers' comp insurance. Um, it's not worth the, the risk that you run in, in not having it. Um, the registration, I think, uh, under the Act will expire every two years, requiring a new application for registration to be made. So that means it's just not a one-time thing and you get your registration and you're done. You have to go back and research um, every two years. And I think there there's a fall, small fee, uh, depending on um, the nature of the application for doing that. Um, the statute also requires or establishes operating requirements um, for the home care operator once it's licensed. So they have to post its license so that it's visible to clients and home care aides. Um, they have to uh, make sure that they're maintaining its workers' comp policy, uh, maintain an employee uh, dishonesty bond, including third-party coverage, um, there's some requirements there that um, are going to be um, really uh, require some detailed review to ensure that you're in compliance. Because I know once you're out of compliance, um, it be, they're going to be. It's going to make it easier for them to be able to revoke the registration. And again, we're talking about a real important service that those of us constituents who are looking to put our loved ones into an area that they can be taken care of, um, we really need that service. And so I think balancing that in the industry to ensure that those issues are addressed and that we're complying with the labor laws for California is really important and something that the industry I know is grappling with and hopefully we'll be able to find some mediums that will work a win-win for both sides. Um, I think that's really what's important. So as I look at the statute and do a little, little bit of research, I see that the state has issued a frequently asked questions sheet, which they usually do in these uh, new legislation. But they've asked, uh, they've issued an FAQ with answers to many of the questions concerning the act. Uh, one of the FAQs states that um, health care uh, associations that are hired by healthcare organizations may not be independent contractors as the statutes require the home care organization to direct the actions of an affiliated home care aide with requirements such as TB testing, training, background check, and registration. So this indicates that the Bureau will require um, Healthcare associations that are hired by healthcare organizations to be employees. And um, this is a big deal because now you're going to have to comply with all the wage laws, including minimum wage and overtime and breaks and lunch periods. Um, that was a big deal 
Um, and that still is a big deal when there's been a, an examination by the labor commissioner. Did these people get a duty-free lunch period? Well, you know, when you're a caregiver, um, sometimes it's difficult to take your lunch at a given time because your patient may need you. Uh, your patient may need some care, and so you have to interrupt your lunch. Now, does that mean they don't get a lot of breaks? They get a lot of downtime. There is a lot of downtime, once, especially if you're taking care of an elderly person. Um, once you've gotten them up and they're either sitting watching TV or participating with some of the other residents, um, you do get some downtime. But the labor law says you get a 30-minute <laughs> duty-free period. It means you need to be free to leave. And are you free to leave? It's tough. And so you have to have some work agreements to be able to look at these particular situations to ensure that you are in uh, in compliance um, with the law. So, again, I think that um, we're looking at the impact of some of the new registration laws on the home health care providers industry just to see how um, it's going to um, address the issues with employees. And I think what it has done is created uh, a situation where employees have been broadened, that definition has been broadened, and compliance with the labor laws is going to be a, a major issue uh, that um, I think consulting with an attorney to ensure that you um, find ways to maintain um, your your business and offer the service, yet comply with their various laws. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton May. If you ever have any questions concerning this show or any of our shows, please feel free to visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com or send me an email at d.may, M-A-Y, at Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, dash com. You've been listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. And join us again next week at this time for Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips on AM 1220 KDOW.